there. This is Julie Nitz with Warrior Woman Birth Podcast. This is the podcast for authentic, autonomous, birthy women of faith. And I'm your host, Julie Nitz. I'm a traditional birth keeper, mom of 11, free birther, a Proverbs 31 woman, or I try to be. I want to chat about autonomous pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and crunchy mom life. As both a free birther and traditional birth keeper myself, my goal is to provide rich but practical information and thoughts surrounding all things birth that encourage families to take responsibility and feel powerful around their birthing choices. This podcast is for anyone who values autonomy in birth, no matter where or with whom or not you birth. This podcast is not intended as medical advice. Birth is not a medical event. It's a sacred journey. I hope you'll come on this journey with me as I journey into podcast land. I've never done this before. I have recorded with other people, but not one of my own. So I hope that you'll give me some grace as we walk through this together. So today's episode is on pregnancy nutrition. Nutrition is something that I am um, passionate about. I feel like it's 75% of what pregnancy, what makes a good pregnancy, what makes a healthy pregnancy, and makes an excellent birth and postpartum time and even beyond. So you'll hear me mention it a lot, talk about it a lot. Um, So let's get started. So one of my favorite things to say when talking about nutrition is an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. That's an old proverb. So if we want to have great births, um, if we want to have great pregnancies, we don't want to wait for something to happen and then try to figure out um, what to do about it, scrambling around for advice. Let's do something that we can um, control which is how we eat, what we eat, how much we eat. Um, So let's just dive in. So nutrition is the best way to prevent issues in pregnancy, birth, and even talking about postpartum um, um, anxiety, postpartum blues, um, postpartum depression. The way we eat in pregnancy can even affect our moods afterwards. Um, The way we eat in pregnancy affects our unborn baby and even our grandchildren, according to some studies. And I'll add that study to the notes for you if you want to read about it. Um, Experts like Dr. Thomas Brewer, Dr. Aviva Ram, Lily Nichols, who is a registered nurse and registered dietitian, and many others support this with their work. My favorite pregnancy nutrition resources are Dr. Brewer and the book Real Food for Pregnancy by Lily Nichols, like I already mentioned. Um, so I'm going to be talking a lot about the things that they cover in their work online in their, and in their books. So the building blocks for the Brewer pregnancy diet is calories, protein, and real salt. So the calories are between 2,200 and 2,600 calories, uh, more if you're pregnant with multiples. Protein is 80 to 120 grams, again, more if you're pregnant with more than one baby. And real salt, like Celtic sea salt or Himalayan sea salt, to taste, meaning 
till it tastes good in your food. So first, let's talk about all those calories. Um, first, many women have phobias when it comes to eating. We're told um, how to eat, when to eat. Um, you know, a lot of women are very self-conscious about their weight. Even women who aren't overweight feel like they are overweight or they are fat or they have something to work on. Most women are spending most of their lives restricting the amount of calories that they eat. Um, this is very common in our culture here in uh, North America. The mainstream clinical advice for women doesn't help either because we're told that you only need 300 calories um, extra, more than what you were eating, in pregnancy. So, but after reviewing many women's food logs, most women aren't eating the recommended 2,000 calories a day just to maintain their weight. So that, that's what the research shows, is that you need to eat around 2,000 calories to maintain your weight. And when I get food logs from women who um, I'm helping through their pregnancy, they average between, I would say, 12 to 1,500 calories a day. So if you're only eating 12 to 15 calories a day, which isn't even enough to maintain your weight, then 2,200, 2,600 calories is going to seem like a lot. It's almost doubling, if not doubling, depending on where you are on that spectrum, how much food that you're eating. But really, that 300 calories is for women who are eating around 2,000, 2,200 calories to begin with that you should increase that 300 calories. Um, so when you take it that into consideration, then sure, 300 makes sense. But for most of the women I serve, at least, they're not eating that much. And so it's really important to get up to those calories. Your nutrient needs significantly increase in pregnancy, which means eating a wide variety of foods. There are great non-calorie counting charts available on the Brewer Pregnancy site that you can print and place into a sheet protector and use a dry erase marker to keep track of your goals. So if you're one of those people that counting calories stresses you out or you just don't want to be, bo want to be bothered with it, then that um, these charts are really great. I um, usually give one to all of my clients. Um, it just has the food calor uh, categories on there like protein and um, a vitamin C food and uh, it has a milk group. Again, it has options for those who are dairy free. Um, you have your grains that you check off, your green veggie. Um, so that's a way to keep track of what you're eating to make sure you get the wide variety of things without actually counting calories. Now, I do suggest that you get a really cool app like chronometer.com, and that's C-R-O-N-O-M-E-T-E-R, chronometer.com. It's a free app, and you can plug in the foods that, and amounts that you've eaten for the day, and it will give you all of your macronutrients as well as your micronutrients down to weird stuff I can't even pronounce um, to keep track and see how well you're doing with getting all of those nutrients and maybe adjust your diet so um, and put it in there maybe once a month or so just to see how well you're doing because sometimes we can get off track we can start out really well and then um, you know fall behind on things or they don't become quite as important to us so that's one way to 
um, take care of that. Oh, and Dr. Brewer is big on eating liver. Uh, I think it's twice a week. But if you're like most people out there and find liver disgusting, I'm definitely in that group. You can get um, grass-fed beef liver capsules to take. And those are very tasteless and a really great way to get your hemoglobin and your hematocrit up by getting some good iron and vitamin A. Liver really does have a bunch of nutrients in it that um, I would consider in the superfood group for sure. So let's go on to protein and talk about that. So your protein you want to get between 80 and 120 grams uh, a day. Uh, it's not as hard to get as you might think it would if you're making really smart choices. So your main sources of protein are meats, pasture raised ideally, but don't get stuck on that if you can't afford it or you don't have access to it. Eating food is, is most important than um, you know, not eating it because you don't have access to really good sources. Uh, fish, organ meats, bone broth, eggs, cheese, Greek yogurt, nuts, and legumes like beans and peas. So these are some examples of how much protein is in what. So three ounces of beef uh, and three ounces of beef would be about the size and thickness of your palm, the palm of your hand. Uh, that's going to be about 20 grams of protein, as well as chicken, fish, and liver are all around that. Chicken does have 25 grams and liver 26. So again, that liver, you're getting um, a bunch of good protein. You're getting a bunch of your micronutrients. So again, if you can add that to your diet, I highly suggest it. Bone broth. An eight ounce cup of that is gonna get you six grams of protein. An egg is six grams. A half a cup of Greek yogurt is nine grams of protein. I think a half a cup of your regular yogurt is only two or three grams. So it's a big difference. So if you are a dairy eater and you like yogurt, then switch over to some Greek yogurt. Um, I suggest people to get the um, unsweetened plain Greek yogurt and add a little bit of jelly to it, um, like all fruit, jam, um, or a little bit of honey if you want it sweetened, or stevia powder and some vanilla. That's a really great way of um, increasing your protein without adding a bunch of empty sugar calories. A half a cup of cottage cheese is even more protein than that at 13 grams. And most people that I talk to really have an aversion to cottage cheese, and I would definitely be in that group too. But I have an excellent recipe that you need to try, even if you hate cottage cheese. Um, it's very ice cream tasting, and it's delicious. So you would mix a half a cup of cottage cheese with a half a cup of frozen berries, add about a half a teaspoon of vanilla, and... Um, Whatever sweetener you'd like, you don't need very much, a teaspoon maybe two of honey or you could toss a date in there or some stevia powder and put it all in a food processor and process it up and it tastes like ice cream. It's delicious. It's a delicious, healthy dessert that you could actually eat for part of your meal. A quarter cup of nuts is four to six grams depending on what nuts you're eating. 
a half a cup of beans is seven grams. So really right there, um, just eating three ounces of beef is going to get you um, almost uh, half of your protein there for the day or quarter, sorry, a quarter of your protein for the day. And of course, there's protein and many other things too. So keep that in mind. Salt, again, real salt like Himalayan or Celtic sea salt. And I am going to read to you from Lily Nichols' Real Food for Pregnancy and uh, in her section about salt because I find this part so fascinating because so many people in pregnancy are told to avoid salt because they're going to swell, they'll get high blood pressure or preeclampsia, and really a, that, a lot of that is outdated information. And of course, we're talking, they're talking about white table salt, which absolutely avoid that nasty stuff if you can. It has zero nutritional properties to it. But Himalayan salt and Celtic sea salt have lots of minerals that the body needs um, in order to be healthy. So here is an excerpt from Real Food for Pregnancy, The Science and Wisdom of Optimal Prenatal Nutrition by Lily Nichols. Although salt often gets a bad rap, it is vital to the normal function of your body, especially during pregnancy. As one researcher notes, in pregnancy, dietary salt intake seems to facilitate the numerous physiological changes that must occur to support the growth and development of the placenta and fetus. The sodium and chloride it contains are key for electrolyte balance to keep your cells talking to one another, helping to maintain the correct plasma volume in your bloodstream to regulate fluid levels, and facilitating neural signaling so you can think straight and move your muscles on command. Salt also supports normal stomach acid levels by supplying chloride. Stomach acid is hydrochloric acid. Adequate stomach acid is necessary for the absorption of minerals and vitamin B12, protein digestion, and killing off pathogenic bacteria before food leaves your stomach. In addition, salt plays an important role in food preservation preventing unfriendly organisms from growing in food that could make you sick. Again, that was from Real Food for Pregnancy by Lily Nichols, a highly recommended book. Um, so yeah, I mean, think about pregnancy brain. That's something that so many women complain about in pregnancy. Could that be connected to salt? Are you getting enough real salt for your body? So um, going back to Real Food for Pregnancy... The things that I take away from that book that I really enjoyed, uh, and she pretty much keeps it simple and easy, easy to understand. She's a researcher, so she has lots of uh, links to research in there. If you're um, a birth nerd, you'll love going down all those rabbit holes. But number one, eat real food. This is food as close to the way God made it as possible. If you're going to eat processed foods, buy things that have less than five ingredients listed and hopefully things that you can actually pronounce. Number two, increase the quality of your food. Buy pasture-raised meats and organic non-GMO when possible. So for example, pasture-raised cows have two to four-fold more omega-3 fats, seven-fold more beta-carotene, and twice the levels of vitamin E compared to grain-fed cows. 
And that is that quote is from the same book. Again, if you can't afford that, by all means, eat. You need to eat food. Protein is the building blocks of life. So if you're not getting enough protein, then you're not getting enough, um, you're not able to reproduce your own cells, let alone build an entirely new human. Number three, don't waste your calories and stomach space on carbs. Lily Nichols' first book that she wrote was Real Food for Gestational Diabetes. So she's very big um, into limiting carbs because most um, of the carbs that we're eating are very starchy carbs that cause um, insulin resistance and our blood sugar to raise. And most um, starchy carbs don't have a lot of nutritional value to them. So they're taking up space in your stomach. They're taking up caloric needs that you could be using for more nutrient dense foods. Uh, so carbs are found in, in all in most foods, but some are more concentrated and less nutrient dense. Carb dense foods significantly increase your blood sugar. Um, and it can lead to developing what is called gestational diabetes. So women are more naturally insulin resistant in pregnancy. So we need to choose our carbs wisely. The mainstream recommendation is 250 to 420 grams per day. But Lily Nichols finds that her average client thrives on just 90 to 150 grams a day. This is going to maximize your micronutrient intake by leaving room for other vegetables. So you're going to fill that space, those caloric needs and stomach space with um, the vegetables that are less starchy. Your a lot of greens, your spinach, your kales, your lettuces, um, your green beans and peppers and celery, things like that. Um, she also says, eat a minimum of 80 grams of protein. And then she gives the plate method uh, as a way to help you. Just kind of like Dr. Brewer has his checklist that you're not, you know, counting calories and protein. You just kind of have a list that as long as you check off those things, you'll hit your nutrient um, goals for the day. Lily Nichols recommends the plate method, which is to fill your plate half of your plate with non-starchy vegetables with some butter like olive oil or sorry with some fat like butter or olive oil make sure you get a variety in there because some most vegetables are more easily absorbed when you eat them with fat the other half of your plate if you divide that half in half again should be three to four ounces of protein with naturally occurring fat like the skin on the chicken and the other half of that half of plate should be half to one cup of starchy, carb-rich, whole food. Again, you know, limiting um, breads and things like that. Um, you could have some rice there or um, quinoa is starchy also, even though it's not a grain. Um, you could have that sweet potato or some carrots or a baked white potato, um, something like that. So if you're filling half of your plate with non-starchy vegetables, you're going to get a wider range of um, micronutrients. And then things that I would include um, into this nutrition um, outlook 
is fluids and mindful eating. Fluids are important for optimal blood volume expansion. Did you know that your blood volume is going to increase by up to 50% by 28 to 30 weeks? Your blood vo- that blood volume has to come from somewhere. And if we're not eating well and taking in nutritious fluids, then our bodies cannot do that, which creates a whole nother um, heap of problems, which we'll talk about in another podcast. But fluids are important also for circulation, waste removal, and prevention of things like hemorrhoids, muscle cramps, including uterine cramps, headaches, and UTIs. Um, Lily Nichols says a minimum of 100 fluid ounces. Dr. Brewer says drink to thirst, but I find that most of us ignore our body's cues and end up not drinking enough. My recommendation to the people that I talk to is three quarts of fluids a day, including nutritious fluids like fruit or herb infused water, unsweetened sparkling water, and herbal, excuse me, herbal pregnancy teas. Um, and I'll be talking about, um, herbal pregnancy teas and blends and an upcoming shorty podcast that'll only be about 10 minutes long. Um, other nutritious fluids would be like bulletproof, bulletproof coffee. If you're going to have coffee, make it nutritious, make it count. Add a tablespoon of grass fed butter and a scoop of good collagen that mixes in, blend it up and drink that. Feel good about drinking your coffee. Collagen has good protein in it and other things that is needed for building tissue and tissue repair. Uh, Milks, nut milks, coconut water, kefir or kefir as it's sometimes called, kombucha, green juices, and bone broth. So those are all fluids to drink. Water is fine too. Um, But if you drink just three quarts of water and without adding some salt or having other nutritious fluids, it can actually cause more dehydration, um, washing away the minerals that you have in your body and that you, your body needs. Um, The next thing I say is eliminate high caloric nutrient deficient drinks like sodas, sweet teas, and even juice. Um, Juice should be more of a treat and watered down if possible because again, there's not a lot of nutrition to it. It's got a high sugar content and, um, and it's just um, giving you, ca- taking room for where calories with um, good nutrients should be. And then the last thing I wanna talk about is mindful eating. So mindful eating means turning into, tuning into what your body ne- body need is telling you. So listening, asking yourself questions before you eat, in the middle of eating and after your meals and your snacks. Am I hungry? Am I a little hungry? Am I a lot hungry? Is there something in particular I'm craving? If you find that that thing that you're craving is an unhealthy food, ask yourself what could you eat that would satisfy that craving that is in the more healthy range. So I find that people who are craving sugar are craving energy. Their body is feeling low and they haven't eaten well that day. And of course, sugar gives you that really quick energy boost. But if you, instead of eating that sugary thing that you're wanting to uh, binge on all of a sudden, take the time to eat some protein. Grab some nuts and a cheese stick. Um, 
grab a couple slices of turkey and, um, you know, have your collagen coffee first and then ask yourself that question again. Am I still hungry? What am I craving? Um, pay attention to how you're eating. Ask yourself, am I eating slowly? Am I eating quickly? Are you enjoying your food? Do I feel satisfied? Do I want more? If you want more, eat more. Listen to your body's cues. If you're feeling full, then listen to that and stop. You can always eat the rest in another hour or so, especially as you get large, your stomach, your baby gets larger and your stomach gets smaller or gets squished from all of that, um, that baby and fluid and things that are going on, you might get full faster. And so you might find yourself needing to eat more often and eating every two hours is really smart. And you might need to eat every hour. Keep pre, um, pre-planned snacks in little baggies or containers so that you can just grab something and you don't have to think about it. And then the last thing is how did this food make your body feel? So, you know, you might crave that donut. So eat it. Don't, you know, don't feel guilty about that. But ask yourself, did that make me feel good? Do I feel good from eating this donut? Or was that one of those I'm satisfying a craving feeling? Which is perfectly okay now and again. But if we find ourselves doing that a lot, we're really derailing ourselves from the goals that we have for a healthy pregnancy, healthy birth, and healthy postpartum time. So there's no right or wrong answers to these. It's just checking in with your body. It's a good tool to sharpen for all of your pregnancy and will even follow you throughout your motherhood. Mothering and nurturing children has us all the time asking questions and I highly recommend that you tune in during those times too because I believe that our amazing creator created us to have intuition about things, to hear his voice telling us what we should eat and when and how much. And if our baby is growing well and safe and healthy, we are the expert on our body. Why? Because I believe our creator gave us that intuition, that gave us that wisdom, that innate ability to know things and be the experts for ourselves and for our families. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. And if you did, I hope you'll um, listen in for the next one. Uh, It should be coming soon. I'll be talking to my good friend, Hannah who is pregnant right now in her first trimester. And we're going to be following her throughout her pregnancy and talking about different things that come up in the months to come and things she's talking about um, with those around her about being healthy and what she's eating and what tests she is or is not doing and plans on her birth. So I hope that'll be a really fun, interactive podcast. If you have any suggestions or questions, please feel free to leave them um, under this podcast and I will leave the references that I have for this podcast as well as a couple other good resources for you. So thanks again for listening. I really appreciate it. And if you've enjoyed it, leave a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening from that helps get the word out to other people to make this podcast more accessible. 
And feel free to follow me on Facebook for more content or at my website, www.warriorwomanbirth.com. Shalom and see you next time.